last week we started a series that is only going to end today. And uh, the series is actually rather kind of difficult. And uh, we, we called it Eternity. And um, I believe that the Lord asked me to start it last week. Um, and it's a hard one for me to write, although I felt like it was going to be so easy. Like, I know all the content, God. It's going to be easy. When you start thinking about eternity, it's, it's intense. There's a, it's a heavy, heavy subject, right? That's why most people only want to think about it at a funeral. And then that's it. And, uh, and so, anyways, um, it's a big deal. Last week, we talked about how if your life is... Um, is a hundred years, consider the fact that God exists for the beginning and the end, right? Like thousands and millions and quadrillion years, and uh, we're going to live with him forever and ever and ever. And so what do we do with the hundred years or the 50 years or the 20 years that we get to spend on this earth? Because it's going to affect forever, forever. Sandlot lovers know where I'm at. All right, cool. Here we go. And so um, we talked about how Jesus made this bold statement that he said that um, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father but by me. And I thought that that's crazy because just about every major religion believes in Jesus um, and says that Jesus was a prophet or the wisest man that's ever walked the face of the earth. Yet when people say, one time we went, um, our church went, and this has happened to me on multiple occasions, but we went witnessing one time and we met this guy who told us that he was an angel. Instantly, I think this guy's an idiot. I think he fell and bumped his head. Like, uh, you don't look like an angel, and um, I, I've never met an angel. But when they tell me that I'm an angel, I, I don't, I don't, I'm out, you know. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and everyone believes he's the wisest man that ever. Maybe we should look into some of the things that he's saying. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am, like, man, he's making some bold statements, and I am the only way you're going to get to heaven. That's... That's crazy. And so I love Christ because of so many. I love him because he loved me first. But I'm looking into the reality that what I do in this life with him affects forever and ever and ever and ever. I want to be more mindful of the things that he's saying about forever because he's the only person that's ever seen the other side of my life. Does that make sense? So with that being said, that's some of the things we talked about last week. And we talked about how what does God care about? in regards to eternity. And we said, one of the only things that you can do in this life, you can do a lot of things here that you can't, that you can do there. You can eat here. You can, we says that we're going to eat in heaven. I believe we're going to eat some sweet tacos, man. You imagine a taco in heaven. Oh man, it's going to be sweet. Yo, uh, ain't no taco truck got anything on heaven. And, uh, and we can eat in heaven. We can fellowship on earth. We can worship on earth. We can worship in heaven. The only thing we can't do in heaven that we can do here on earth is win souls. And I think that it's wise that we consider the fact that one day we may really wish that we were more mindful of who may not be going with us. And uh, think about that. Chew on that. That'll be good. We're starting off today. And uh, if you have your cell phones, would you get them out? Or keep them out or get them out, whatever. And so uh, this is how we do attendance. Thanks for coming. Um, we, uh, we, we text in today. And so if you're a visitor, I do ask that you would text in. It's important to us for everyone, even if you're like, ah, I've been here a million times. They don't need me to text in. It's important for our records that we can do better at some of these things. If you're texting for the first time, we won't spam you. We're not even good at it. But we do want to send you a gift. So we ask that you would text in. We'll text you back. And then you text us one third time. And then we have some gifts for you at the back of the room. See how that works? 777-3520, Eternity 2. Two, y'all. Deuces. <laughs> Don't text deuces. Just text two. <laughs> when I wrote this message, 
Um, and when I started planning on it, I thought I was gonna, it was going to be easy to write. It was actually really hard. And then in writing it, I began to really not like this message and not understand why God put it on my heart to preach. I was, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you ever been to one of those services where like uh, we, we don't preach and we just do worship for like a long time? This morning I was praying that that would happen here and it didn't. And uh, <laughs> I blame Rachel for that. Uh, so anyways, um, I really actually am really excited about it because it hit me this morning as I was going over it, why it's so important. So I'm changing my mind. I like this message. I hope you like it. Here we go. Point number one uh, is uh, in eternity, uh, there will be many rewards in heaven. There will be many rewards in heaven. Well, let's, let's pray first. Let's pray and then we'll talk about the rewards in heaven. Jesus, help. Amen. James chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I love that. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, who has stood the test and will receive a crown of life. I don't know what rewards there are in heaven, but the scripture talks about them over and over and over and over again. And uh, this one here gives mention to the fact that there's a crown of life to those who love him. Yeah, and remain steadfast and, and love him. Uh, and then I just, okay, cool, here we go. So if you love him, you get a crown. If you remain steadfast, I like that. So, anyways, Revelation chapter twenty-two, verse twelve, Jesus said this. He says, "Behold, I am coming soon, bringing with me my reward." My uh, rec- then other, other, every other translation calls it reward. I can't say that word, so we're just gonna call it reward. Um, I'm bringing it with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Whew. And and so what I love about that is that's like a compact. It it makes your life this small, like everything that you've done on this life, I've got a reward for it and I'm bringing it away. I wonder what that looks like. Is he like, is it like, how does he get all of our rewards into one? Like, is he like Santa? You know, does he like spring? Anyway, okay, that was a joke. Right. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse 12, reward, uh, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And he's talking about persecution. We don't know nothing about this verse. Let me just make sure I make that clear. In other countries where there's actual persecution for loving Christ and it's dangerous and people can't let it be bold known that they're a believer uh, for the sake of their life and they have to be strategic in the way they approach their faith, here people may unfriend you if you're a Christian. That's persecution, y'all. It's a tough life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 19. Uh, I love this. Check this out. For uh, as the rich in this present age charge them not to be uh, too haunty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Uh, then he says, um, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that 
which is truly life. Let me stop there for a second. I love what he's saying. Multiple things about this verse I thought was neat. The rewards in heaven for the life that we live for those that love him and save themselves. There are rewards in heaven. Think about this for a second. In this verse, it really stuck out to me. He says, for the rich, um, give, be generous, help those who are in need, uh, but be rich in good works. And, uh, and I think that it's important that we understand that good works is important. I'll come back to that. Uh, but be generous, ready to share, but you can store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. I like that. I don't know about you, but I like that. And I'm thinking about, as I'm preaching this sermon, um, delayed gratification. Uh, so many people that are wise and have figured out the key to life and are successful and wealthy, they've, they've realized, if I've got 100 years on this earth, and I can work from the time that I'm, well, they were 12 probably when they started working. Now we get to start when we're like never 25, some of these people here, right? And so uh, we start, we work from 25 till we're, till we're, 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 well, it will be 70 by the time some of you guys get older, right? And so we work from that age. We want to spend the rest of our life on cruises, right? Who doesn't want to just uh, cruise for the rest? Travel, we want to go see Egypt and Africa, and we want to Greenland. No, we want to go to Iceland, not Greenland. Greenland, we don't want to go to. We want to go to Iceland. And uh, the Vikings were smart with that one. They got me again. Uh, and so um, you want to rest. But in order to do that, you have to be wise with the short amount of time that you have. You have to put money aside for when you're older and you can't work. Now, if you knew you were going to live 100 years, you would do that. Otherwise, you're going to be broke doing working for the rest of you. Like, that's, that's not the way you want to live when you get older. Like so, we want to store up for ourselves on earth, knowing that we're not going to live for 100 years. We're going to live for 1,100 years. And what we do with this short 100 years is going to determine the rest of our life. So what if we could take some of our wealth and not just store it up for retirement, but for the kingdom of God forever and ever. I don't know exactly what treasures are going to be like in heaven, but when Jesus starts talking about it, I think it's important that we pay mind to it. Otherwise, we may be a fool and have wasted this life having loved God, but not having done anything for him. I thought this message was weird, and then I started getting the heart of it. Let me show you again another, another verse. This is uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy them and thieves break in and steal them, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy them and thieves don't break in and steal them for where your treasure is, they're also where your heartbeat. What's, what's difficult is in giving towards heaven and building something that's bigger than yourself, it provokes you to love God. People that are generous, it makes them consistent in loving God because they're taking things that they would like to use to make their life better, easier, and more chill, but they're putting it aside to do something greater for Jesus. And it makes you consistently in love with God. And so if you're struggling today, maintaining a love for God, consider this verse. Where your treasure is, so is your heart. And if you're all about just consuming, it's probably why you struggle in love for God. Because we want to build something bigger than ourselves. Amen? Amen. I thought that was cool. Well, anyways, I was thinking about 
some awards that they have in heaven. And I, I want to tell, um, uh, do some neat little things here today. So can we uh, just take a, take a minute? And um, I'm going to dig into my little bag here. And, um, well, uh, Amanda Atkinson, is she here? Where is she at? Amanda, would you stand up for a second? I have an award for you today, and um, you guys may know this as the Reese Peanut Butter Cup Award. And what is the Reese Peanut Butter Cup Award? Here's what the Reese Peanut Butter There is nothing better on, on earth than Reese Peanut Butter Cups. And uh, everyone that has come to know you, Amanda, has fallen absolutely in love with you. You're great at everything that you do. And I don't know anyone that doesn't like Reese Peanut Butter Cups. In fact, if you don't like Reese Peanut Butter Cups, we boo you right now. And so, uh, Amanda, we love you, and uh, you're awesome. Uh, I have another award here this morning. Um, it's for Howard and Patty. Howard and Patty, would you stand up for a second? Uh, I always told myself that um, one day, if I ever have a ministry, honest to God, um, I never even wanted to be a pastor, but I always said to myself, if I ever had a ministry, you know what I'm going to pay first? I'm going to pay the intercessors. Let me tell you who runs the church. Let me tell you who's kept me, uh, who's kept my wife from divorcing me. Let me tell you who has kept the arms up of the people in this church and prayed for your marriage. And so I just want you to know, Howard and Patty, you win today the award of 100 grand. You're worth 100 grand, y'all. Scotty Bowden, would you stand up? Scotty Bowden is fantastic because uh, he is the kind of guy who will do anything that we ask him to do when we ask him to do it, and he'll do it without fa failing, and he'll actually go above and beyond. And so Scotty has, for years, um, he's come in and he's done all of this. You know what's really funny about Scotty? Uh, some, this is a joke that some people are beginning to learn, but Scotty actually, who runs all of our lights, he's actually colorblind. And he doesn't care. Like, uh, he just is willing to put himself at, at the sake of, of what everyone hates. He, uh, he has been yelled at by me on countless occasions for getting things wrong. And uh, he still comes in and is willing to take the signs out, even though that's not his job. And he, he does. He, Scotty goes the extra mile. And because he's dating, uh, he's in a relationship with a young lady who's in another room. We felt like you needed uh, some extra breath mints as well. And so, um, Heather, Heather Morley Olson, would you stand? Yes, and so anyways, Heather, um, to those, she's, she's done a lot for our church over the years. She's sown, and she's given, and she's worked, and she's invested in our kids. She's invested in the media and the church. She's done about just about everything that I've made her do, and, um, and I love that. But my favorite thing about our friendship, is we've been friends for years and years, is that anyone that knows, if, there, if you're in need of having fun, if you can make this girl laugh, you will have fun because there is no laugh that I have heard on this earth that is more contagious than, than Heather Morley Olson's. And so, um, Heather, you win the Snickers Award for being awesome. You like that there? Oh. And Teresa, this is my last award. Uh, Teresa, would you stand? Oh, well, there you are. There you go. Teresa, you win um, the award one. Well, you're awesome and um, the, the better half of the church, right? But um, I got an award for you here that I want you to know is... Um... <laughs> Bow, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> See me after class. <laughs> All right. Um, 
I was thinking about like awards and like um, what awards look like on this earth. And um, there's this neat verse um, that Jesus is talking about the parable of, of heaven in eternity and what it's going to be like in the end. So he's, he's trying to use descriptive scenarios about a king who had three people that worked for him. And one he gave five parables, uh, five talents to, and one he gave two, and one he gave one. And at the end of time, he, he asked them to come back to him. And he said that he would um, reward them based on how diligent they were with these gifts. And to one, he had five he made 10 out of it. And basically, they're talking about money, talents, but they're actually, it, it may not even be that at all. I'm not uh, a scholar, and so many may disagree with me, but I think that he's talking about the gifts of God that's inside of them. Like at the end of your life, what would you have done with all of the things you've been blessed with, right? Your, your voice, your, your strength. Uh, what did you do for those who were poor? What did you do for like you? Like we're in the richest country in the world and somehow we're all convinced that we're broke. What is going, like you, you dumb. Uh, you, you, you're staring at yourself too much. Um, and so um, some people took five and turned it into 10 and some people took two and turned it. And there's this statement where Jesus says, he says, it, it, like it's the most coveted thing in all of the Bible. It only happens one time in scripture. And yet we all long to hear these words from Jesus, which is what? Well, well done good and faithful servant. Like that'd be the greatest thing that God could possibly say to us is like, come, you've, you've done great. Well done, son. Man, I literally have goosebumps right now. If I could, if God would be proud of the life that I live for him and I can enter into a, a, a thousand hundred years having done good with this life, what is more important that we think and meditate on what we're doing with our life while we have an opportunity to spend it here on earth? There is nothing more important than that. And so we're thinking about eternity today. That's point number one is that there are rewards in heaven. Point number two, I'm calling this my disclaimers. Uh, I was thinking about all the things that we probably had to talk about if we were going to talk about rewards and works and all these other things. And so uh, I, have, I have a couple disclaimers that I want to throw out to you today. One, it's so important as we're talking about rewards in heaven that you know 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 that there's like one basic theology that you have to figure out, and that's this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and it is not that of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast about it. What we're trying to say here is that if you've done great things on this earth, You've given all of your money to the poor. You've, you, you've helped, you've served in the church. Like it, that's not why you're going to heaven. You're not, you can't be good enough to get into heaven. Jesus did it for us. And so we're saved by faith, by the grace of God not by our works. And I think that it's so important when we think about works in the scripture, we think about our righteousness aside from Christ. The scripture calls it uh, dirty rags. Um, there's some bad theology, there's some crazy theology about what that means and you can study that yourself. But I mean, that dirty rags is awful. Uh, I don't want nothing to do with that. And uh, so when I think about your works and your d dirty rags, and I, I, but, but it's also important to know as a disclaimer that faith without works is dead. Um, and so there's these two scenarios, and I realized that I entered into a relationship with my wife because I was attracted to her and because I believed that she loved me and wanted me, and I made a commitment with her based on that. Does that make sense? 
And like so it was with Jesus, when I found out that Jesus loved me, I entered into a relationship with him. Now, in order to keep that relationship going, there should be works. Now, I get the opportunity of doing marital counseling for a lot of people, and sometimes a lot of premarital counseling. And so, not necessarily through marital counseling do people talk about this because they don't like to admit it, but when people talk about their parents, a lot of people mention this, that their parents' marriage is dead. And some people that will stay in a marriage for years and years and years and years without trying to pursue each other, and they maintain a relationship without works. And it's gross. It's, it's dead. But marriage, the marriage of the bride and of the groom is supposed to be vibrant and passionate. No one signed up to just exist in marriage. We all signed up to be committed, to be burning, to choose to, to show the other person what love looks like, to sacrifice for one another, to serve one another, to give one another, not just maintain until we die. Great. It's awesome. But real love is passionate and it's still burning and it's still sacrificing and it's still pursuing. Uh, this week, um, Cheryl and Bill, uh, uh, 54 years of marriage. Oh, holy moly. Man. If I had another award, I'd call it whatchamacallit or something. I don't know. Uh, uh, but so some disclaimers. I want to make sure you know that it's by the grace of God that you've been saved. But there are, um, you also need works in your relationship. Faith without works is dead. Your relationship with Jesus is dead if there's not things that you're doing that's active to show that you're in love with him. You may not like hearing that, but that's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. I didn't write it. You can take it up with the Bible. Check it out with him. I think it's important that we all continue to say, God, I love you. Let me serve you. Let me honor you, Lord, with my life. Cool. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, still in disclaimers. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, he said it this way. He said, beware, though, of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you'll have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Ooh, man, that's rough. And he says, but therefore, when you give your alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be honored by men. For I, I truly say to you that they have their reward in full. What Jesus is saying is that if you want to tell everyone how awesome and righteous you are and how much you give and how cool you are and all these things that you do for people, congratulations, you can have the praise of man or you can have the praise of God. There's a big difference because many of us need man's approval in this life. And it's so important because when we're doing those things, when we're looking for man's approval, we could be missing God's. And so we want to make sure that when we wake up in the morning or when we lay our head down like, God, is my life honoring you? Is these things and these sacrifices, like, is it pleasing to you? And, and there's peace there's rest when that's happening. Yeah, and anyways, he says, like, if, uh, if you don't let anyone know, and your father who sees you in secret, in secret will repay you openly. That's pretty cool, I thought. So some disclaimers. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. You didn't do anything for it. But you should be working because he saved you. It should just explode in your heart. It's like this weird pendulum balance that... 
all of us that have been in this race for a long time, is, is difficult. It's hard to, to remember that we should be honoring and serving and going after the Lord. And then sometimes we get focused on all how righteous we are and we forget we didn't do anything to earn this thing. And we got to start all over. I'm a dog with fleas again. All right, now, um, okay, here we go. Okay, here's the third point is that um, in, uh, we, in this life, we're all accountable. We're accountable, we're accountable, we're accountable, we're accountable with this little bit of life, this 100 years, this 50 years, this 20 years. Listen to this. Jane, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus said it this way, but I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. What? These are not my words. Here's the thing. I have not been to the other side yet but I have experienced that Jesus is still alive. And the reality of that makes me tremble. And so when he speaks words like this, it, it teaches me about what heaven is going to be like. Like he's not just a prophet. He is the great I am. And I believe that one day I will bow my knee before his throne. And somehow, I don't know if it's a big movie that shows up on the screen or what, but I'll give an account for everything that I say. And when I said that Matt has a bad haircut, somehow there's going to be there's going to be a punishment for that, you know. And Matt, when you say that I'm bald, look what happened to Elijah, you know. And so, uh, or, um, here we go. So um, we're given account. We are all accountable for what we do in this life. I think if you're wise, that should make you fear a little bit. Remember, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, it says, Because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. And so what he's saying is that like all of us should learn like how to, how to have humility and how to be small enough to recognize that someone is much bigger than us. Our life is not as big as we think it is, it is all going to be accountable to him. And I think that that's a huge lesson for us to learn on this side of eternity. Amen? Cool. Here's a verse that I got to be honest, I don't understand. And I wasn't going to put it in the verse, but I'm just going to read it to you and I'll move on because I don't, I really don't get it. I've actually asked like five people here if this means what I think it means. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. So I felt like I had to leave it in. So, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it. I think what he's talking about is everything that we do after we decide that Jesus is Lord. Everything that we do, like, is it eternal or is it temporary? Because gold like lasts for a long time, straw does not. I think that's what he's implying in that part. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And I think that fire is a representation of time and eternity. Let me keep going. For he shall receive a reward. Uh, no, if any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as through fire. And so I think that the fire is talking about time and eternity. And I think that what he's saying is that if you make a decision to make Jesus your Lord, 
and you don't build correctly. This is my interpretation. You can take of this what you want. But I think what he's saying is that we'll still be saved. Like you, you, Jesus is your Lord. You'll be saved. You don't make wise decisions with your life. You won't have reward because time won't show that you didn't do anything. You didn't store up your treasures in heaven. You, you, you stored them up on earth. You made, wise, you made foolish decisions rather than wise decisions, and you'll have nothing to show for it in the day of eternity. At least that's what I get out of this. So when I'm thinking about wisdom, I'm praying about this message, and I was like, God, why are we doing this? Like, what is the purpose of this sermon for our church? And I feel like it's really just wisdom. I feel like it's that we should be more calculated with how we're spending our life. Because there's a day that may be filled with a massive amount of regret that things that could have been eternal were all filled with just pleasure. Now, people that don't understand delayed gratification, they live their life for the moment. They spend everything they have. And, and to a degree, hear this. This is not part of my notes today. Um, but I, I think that if there was no God, if there is no God, then I think it would benefit you to steal to kill, to take whatever you want, live for yourself, consume as much as you can because, man, if you're only going to live 30 years, you should maximize your amount of, of pleasure on this life. But if there is a God, then we're foolish to only think about pleasure. And many of us believe in the Lord and we're, we're not thinking about where the reality is that we're going to go somewhere else for the, for the rest of time. And the way that we live that is massively important. Does that make, like, that's heavy. So we want to make sure that the things that we're doing in this earth are eternal. That they have purpose. That we're not planning the rest of today to just be filled with pleasure. That it's not about, like, eating all the time. It's not about couches or what color we paint our walls, or what new carpet we're going to get in our house, or what car we're going to drive, or all of these things that are just momentary. It's straw. It's, it's going to fade. It's all going to go. Our, our cars, will, will they're great now. I, I bought a new truck. It's my first ever truck. I was so thinking happy about it. And it's realizing me that now, six months later, it's not even like that glorious anymore. <laughs> and one day it's going to be junk. But we spend so much time focusing on crap. What matters in our life are the only things that's eternal. I have to go. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Point number four. I, I have an audio clip I, I wanted to play for you guys. I'm really proud of this. It's one of my favorite movies. If it, it makes my top ten if I was talking about movies of all time. Anyways, here's a clip. All men will know it. Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Man, it gives me goosebumps. What movie was that, men? Gladiator. Let's hear it again. No, no, the, the movie, the clip. Let's hear the clip again. It's good. It's a good clip. Play it. Play it again. Some of you are like, what did he say? Brothers. Brothers. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Man, that gives me, I'm like, yeah. 
I think Gladiator is like one of the more better manly movies, and so it has to make my top 10. And that's like my favorite quote from the movie because what we do in this life will echo throughout eternity, right? And so what I'm trying to figure out is as I'm writing this message, and, I'm, and I really don't know, like what makes me nervous about this sermon is I've never heard anyone else talk about it in detail like this. So I'm cautious for you that you don't believe every word you hear, you test it, you read scripture, and you study it. Amen? Amen. Cool. So, um, but I'm thinking about what, what are the things that we can do in this life that are eternal? What is, what gives the greatest reward in return in eternity? Now, I, I, I don't, I didn't use the verse, but I wanted to just mention it really quick. Whom I know gets the highest reward in eternity amongst men and women are martyrs, according to scripture. They, 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 those that give their life for Christ receive the highest reward. Now, Benny Hinn said it once, and I love this. This is not part of my notes, and I have to keep going. Oh, I got to keep going. Is, um, this is going to be a longer service. Eh, forget it. It's our last one service. You know, we'll do what we want. Um, and so um, Benny Hinn said it this way. He said that the greatest call of God is not to be a lead pastor. It's not to be an evangelist. It's not to save a soul or to reach the lost. It's not to, to be a youth pastor or um, an intercessor. He says the greatest call of God is to die daily. And if you can pick up your cross and follow him every day, you'll fulfill the call of God on your life through time. And so essentially, we are like martyrs when we let go of our life on a daily basis. Does that make sense? That was a little nugget for you. That was free. Didn't have it in my notes. You can check that out. No charge this morning. Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 28 through 39. That is not right. But now I'm just going to read the verses here. It says this. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He's talking to, the, to his disciples. Listen to this in the next verse. He says, and everyone, everyone, everyone who has left their houses, their brothers, their sisters, their father, their mother, their children, or their lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. I think that that's important because I think I heard a message early this year that I haven't even preached to you guys yet, but it's bothered me over the course of the year that's been so cool is that what he was saying was that my tithe and my sacrifice is not just that it's for the Lord, but it's, it's the one eternal thing that I know I'm always giving when I'm giving to the Lord, I'm giving to the kingdom of God. I'm not just giving to the church. Like your tithe isn't for me. It's not for our church. It's not for our, it's, it's for Jesus and for his kingdom. And the Lord, hopefully his church is healthy and operating in a, in a godly way. And it's all going to go to his glory and to his name. But your tithe, it's an eternal thing. Like it's always going to build him up. And, uh, and so, and I love the last part of that. Thanks God. He says, but the, but those who are first will be last and the last will be first. And what he's essentially talking about is those of us who put our lives first in this world, you'll be last. Like, remember how you'll be saved, no reward. Actually, you're going to wait to the back of the line until you figure out what you're going to get. You'll get the scraps uh, fall from the day. I don't know. I don't know. It was a joke. It was a joke. No. But, the, but, the, but those that made themselves last here, that served, uh, that, that gave sacrificially, will be put first, according to my Savior, Jesus. And I think that that's important. So some of you are sacrificing not for this church, but for Jesus. 
And I think you should recognize that he's talking about an eternal reward for that. Another thing here that I thought was important about your reward, the things that are his favorites, um, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. He says, blessed are you when men cast insults at you and they persecute you and say all kinds of evil and falsely against you. Um, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I just want you to know, like, like a lot of times there will be division because of your love for Christ and it will divide friendships. Like the first thing I decided when I became a Christian was that there was a line in my life that I knew that people weren't going to appreciate what I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm living my life. And it instantly separated me for some people. And um, it's made all the difference as I look back at some of the people that separated me from and what happened in their life and where I stand today. It's another time. Uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. This is pretty cool. I thought this was neat. They're talking about the, 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 the things that God favors that brings eternal reward into our life. And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, like wisdom, those that possess knowledge about God, you'll shine brightly. It's really good, but check this out. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever and ever. What are the things that God values that he's gonna give reward to? Uh, Proverbs says it this, it says, he that wins souls is wise. I don't think there's anything that's going to matter more to Jesus in that day than those that we, God, I led these people to you. I'm going to read you another one here. I tell you in the same way that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What God's saying is that he values and favors those that will go after the lost. The reason why Jesus came, he said, I, I, I didn't come for those that were healthy. I came for those that were sick. He said, I, I would leave the 99 and go find the one. He, he's about the lost sheep. And I think it's important that you know that if you want to understand the kind of life that God rewards, it's the kind that would live sacrificially to make sure that no one finds eternity outside of heaven. Does that make sense? And if we could be more mindful of that, man, like... What we understand about eternity, whew, I'll be at the front of the line, yo. It's good. Okay, anyways, I was a kid. I was a joke. Um, Rich, will you come? Is he here? Yeah, Rich is here. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I thought this was cool. The Apostle Paul said this, for who is our hope or our joy or our crown of exaltation? Is it not even you? Paul's writing a letter to the churches and he's saying, like, what's my crown? You are my crown. You're, you, you are my crown. Like the fact that we're, I'm leading you and you're, we're going together, like I'm gonna show the Lord one day, look at what I did. Look at who I brought with me. And I wanna make sure you understand, you are a pastor also. You are a pastor also. You are in somebody's life that will never come to church unless you bring them. We all have a ministry here. 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 I'm going to close um, with this. We're going to take another seven, eight minutes. Let me say this real quick. I'm so excited where we are. I'm so excited where we are as a church. I'm excited that next week we're going to have 40 empty seats to bring people to church. And please understand, that's my hope. I want to I make it hard to go to hell in Lakeland. When people say is, there's too many churches in Lakeland, I think not when people are going to hell. Like not when people don't know Jesus. Not when people are, are, are going to the bars. 
um, and, and people are watching porn online because they, 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 they haven't found it yet. They're looking for hope. We need way more churches than we need now. A couple of verses. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. Let that radiate in your soul. One night is coming when none of us can work anymore. And the last is this. He said, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and be of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to the one to one another without grumbling. For each of you should receive whatever gift you have received and serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. And I just want to say that I'm proud of this church and I'm proud of where we are and I've, I've never been more confident in the season that we're in. And I think things are healthy and I think we're going to reach a lot of people together. There are so many people that are active right now in this church and saying, please use my gifts. And I think that's the healthiest form of church. The worst churches, in my opinion, are the ones that we just pay staff members to do the ministry. What the scripture says is that we're supposed to raise up laborers. We're supposed to raise up people that will do the work of the ministry. And so thank you for your gifts. Thank you for where we're going. And thank you that next week we're going to see people get saved.